And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon Atana by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and caused him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them, speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. God bless us as we read your living word once again. Amen. So up to now, we have journeyed through all of Acts 10. And we've been thinking about change. We're in a time of change, right? Um, And all good and perfect gifts come from God. Last week, can you remember what change we were thinking about? We were thinking about the start of the new football season. And Man United beat Chelsea 4-0. Glory to God. All right, can I get an amen for that? Any Chelsea fans in the room? Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, God be with you. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Double mourning after last night as well, right? But up to now, as we've been looking at change, we've been looking at how this this chapter, Acts 10, is the hinge 
of the New Testament, how this is the moment God's people is radically expanded, fulfilling all of the promises and salvation story throughout the Bible and throughout Jesus' ministry. It is a brilliant thing. It's a beautiful thing. We've looked, uh, in our first week, we looked at Cornelius, how Cornelius rooted himself in prayer, in doing the things of God, and how actually it was his orientation of being open to God that allowed God to bring change through him. But we also looked at at last week at how something of the struggle of what Peter went through orientated him to change. Cornelius' hunger and Peter's desire were brought about in different ways. But actually, they were both brought about in spiritual ways as well, right? Cornelius has a visit of an angel. Peter has a vision. But now, the moment of change here is two people coming together, two strangers. This is like a blind date moment where suddenly Peter turns up at Cornelius' house. Cornelius knew he had to send for Peter. Peter knew he had to go. And they don't know why they're there. And Cornelius' first response is worship is to worship Peter. I mean, that's the thing that's got him, that's led him well so far, right? Worshipping God, giving alms. It's been seen as a memorial before God, that verse that we looked at all the way earlier in Acts chapter 10. But obviously, it isn't here for worship. There is something different. I want to emphasize again, when the angel first comes to Cornelius, the angel doesn't preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel is something that we are asked to do. And that's no different in this time. The angel comes and says, go get Peter. Go get this man from this place. So this week, as we're thinking about change, you might have been hoping after the previous weeks, well, I'm looking for change, and maybe I'm going to have an angel come, and he's going to give me a promotion, or um, I'm going to have a vision, and I'm going to know exactly what I need to do, or know which numbers to put on on the lottery. I've never actually played the lottery. No, I have played the lottery twice when... A previous church I was at many years ago was doing a building project, and I thought, God, if this is you, and I did it twice, and then thought, I was a waste of two pounds. (laughs) Shows how long ago, I think it's gone up, hasn't it? So it shows how long ago it was. Probably shouldn't have confessed that. We'll delete that from the recording before Pastor Rod listens to it. Um, But, actually, aside from the spiritual thing, the question is, who is Peter for you? Are we letting the people of God challenge us and change us? Because I think we live in quite an individualistic culture. I think if you were to uh, pull out your phone and Google, you know, how can I change? How can I bring more meaning to my life? You'd probably find some mindfulness apps to add. You'd probably find some holidays or retreats that you could go on where you could go and meditate yourself into being a new person. And I think actually even in the church, oftentimes, I know I've heard lots of sermons about how to listen to God and how to discern God's voice. And that's one of the most beautiful gifts we get, right? Post-Pentecost, God's spirit is poured out on all flesh. We're given the gift of prophecy. We're given these gifts of discernment. But these gifts always, always in the New Testament operate in community. Actually, even the gift of prophecy itself is a gift for us to build up each other. So the question is, how do we listen to each other? Do we know that? Have we thought about that? Well, there's a little bit that I think we can dig into of how Peter is transformed through this encounter that could maybe help us in listening with people. So this, in some ways, is quite a, quite a practical, practical sermon. I think, in the first instance... 
Peter turns up ready without knowing what's going to be said. And I think the first thing is, if we want to be transformed as the people of God through our relationships with each other, through God working with each other, we've got to have that expectancy that that's how it's going to happen. If God is going to speak to you and is going to deepen your life and sharpen your gifts, well, look around, because these are probably the very people who are going to do it. Or it's going to be people in your church, people in your community. It's going to be pastors and leaders and people who are serving you and are wanting to help you grow and encourage you. So you, it's up to you to set the tone. Peter turns up ready. And I think actually, as people of God, I don't think we're always ready to be challenged, right? We're terrible at conflict in church. My church is a Baptist URC. So we also have, just like this church, we have church meetings where we're supposed to have uh, discerning the mind of Christ together. We're supposed to seek God and, and work through what God's calling us to together. And they're messy. And I speak to loads of other churches who are also of a similar churchmanship, who are organized in the same way, and they dread church meetings. They dread more than anything that moment when all the Christians get together to make a decision. What is that about? We've got the spirit of the living God in us. And it should, we should have the capacity in that, not just to make decisions on what we're going to do with our building, but we should have in that the capacity to call out godliness in each other. That's what the Bible calls us to time and time again, right? Calls us to challenge each other. Calls us to correct each other. Calls us to inspire and encourage and love one another in word and in deed. So are you seeking challenge? Are you putting yourselves in relationships with people who will speak into you and challenge you? Are you vulnerable and honest and open in your relationships? I've got to say I'm super blessed. One of the reasons I love here is not just that I get to come and minister to you guys, but I love also blessing Rod because he blesses me so much. Because I go to him and I'm just so open sometimes with my struggle and the challenges that I go through. And he just, you know Rod, he's, he's a straight shooter, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, never, I'm never left after having a coffee with Rod thinking, what did he really think about that? And I know that's a quality a lot of people say about me as well, so maybe that's why we're such good friends. But actually, we've got to seek that challenge. We've got to seek that edification. We've got to go and say, say to people around us, do you see any sin in me? Oh, that got a bit real, didn't it? Do you see any things I've got to stop? Would you warn me if you saw that? Actually, it's a lot easier if we seek that out. If you go and ask for those things, I'm telling you now that conversation is a lot easier than when someone has to speak to you after you've totally messed things up. So let's nip it in the bud early. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be accountable in these things. So are we ready? Are we open? Are we seeking challenge and change? Second thing that I love with Peter is the best opening line ever. He comes and Cornelius starts to worship him. And Peter says, oh, no, no, stand up. And then his first lines are, you know I shouldn't be here, right? You know you guys are unclean, which isn't the best way of making new friends, uh, I would imagine. I'd imagine if you went into your workplace and said, I am still with you guys, even though you are all dirty pagans. That probably wouldn't be the best choice of language, right? It wouldn't be helpful. But he starts with openness. 
He starts by setting out his boundaries, going, this is a hard place for me to be in. And often there's a power in us being vulnerable, in us opening up. I love um, when the psalmist writes, search me, God, know my heart, know my anxious thoughts. Does God not know our hearts? Does God not know our every thought? Well, there's a million and one psalms that say he does, right? But there's something about actually standing and saying, here I am. Was God really searching for Adam and Eve in the garden? Did he not know what bush they were behind? But he was waiting for them to come and open. Because actually in that process of us opening up and being honest. And I think we're rubbish at doing that in church. I think we're rubbish at at sharing where we're struggling. And oftentimes, you know, it's when someone shares a testimony in church of what God's done. And, oh, I was struggling with this and I came through it. And I think, I didn't know you were struggling with that. Oh, I was really struggling, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to get my car fixed. And then, you know, I, I, this tax rebate came through and three weeks later I got to fix it. And I think, if you told me three days after it broke down, I might have been able to help you out. <laughs> We're not very open with each other and we need to be. That's the way to change. And then Peter goes on. So he seeks it out. He takes himself into that situation. He's open And then he asks, why? So why am I here? I ask then, why it is you sent me? Here I am. I shouldn't be here. Why am I here? And I think we've got to frame the conversation that we have in that way. Because we know, right, we know some of these truths. We know that we are all sinners saved by grace. We know that we all have struggles. We all have unique characters. I actually think a lot of our positive and negative qualities are just the same characteristic, right? I can be really, really bold in speaking out, and I can also be really, really stupid in putting my foot in my mouth, right? And that's often the same quality. And God's just trying to emphasize this one and say, shut up, Josh, when he needs to with the other one, right? But when we're coming to these uh, these conversations of wanting to challenge ourselves and grow... I think often we can have this idea of, well, they'll think less of me if they know that. Or the relationship will be different. Or, oh, well, there's not really space to do that on a Sunday. That's one of my favorite ones at the moment. Oh, but we're really busy on a Sunday, so I didn't get a chance to speak to you. And I'm like, what? It's the people of God gathered together to challenge and love each other, to share one another's burdens is the central calling of the church. Not to go through a formal service. That's supposed to add to that. That's supposed to develop that. That's supposed to develop our love for one another and our love for the Lord. That's supposed to mature us and grow us in doing those things. So, ask why. Why do I need someone to help me? Why do you need someone to challenge you? Why do I need someone to tell me my weaknesses? Because I want to be fruitful for the kingdom. Because I want to be set free from the things that I'm struggling with. Because actually sometimes, when I share those things I'm struggling with, people just go, do you know, that's really normal. Do you know, that is not you, the thing that you've described. You need to change your perspective on that. Do you know, actually, that's not as big an issue as maybe you're thinking it is. Often the battle of the mind and the way that we replay stories is more important. But we need to ask 
ask ourselves why. Do we want to grow? Do we want to step out more? What is the vision that we're striving for? We're not trying to earn God's satisfaction, right? We are trying to see his kingdom fully alive in us and bearing fruit around us, right? That's what this is about. That's what this is about. Then Peter listens to Cornelius' story. And I think that's a really, really important thing to listen. Because I think often when we hear challenge or we hear criticism, we take it as an attack. We often can make it very personal, think the person has a low opinion of us or has a high opinion of themselves. And actually sometimes we just need to listen to the story and hear actually what is it they're really saying and really speaking into. Now this is doubly true because not only are we rubbish at seeking out criticism in church, we're pretty terrible at giving it as well, aren't we? We are pretty awful. Often, oftentimes what we do is we'll, if we're feeling a bit shy, a bit passive-aggressive, a bit too English, I like to say it, um, we'll try and hide it in spiritual language. Do you know I was praying and I just had a sense that maybe you should stop picking your nose in church. I don't know, I don't know if it's from the Lord, just test it. Rather than just being direct, right? But we should learn how to, how to speak those things with confidence. But also, when people speak to us, we have to learn how to sift through sometimes what people say, take what is good, discard what is bad. If you open yourself up to challenge, you'll get a lot of challenge. You'll get people speaking into a lot of things. It's something that I really, really struggled with in my ministry is I'd grown up in an environment where you had to go to the leaders for submission, for kind of affirmation. And when they said things that actually just went against what God was calling me to, I didn't really know how to handle it. I didn't really know how to take that challenge. When I was first called to Mill Hill, I had a conversation with one of my church leaders who said, um, and this wasn't what the main leadership of the church has said at all, but he said, um, we wouldn't want to release you from anything that would take away from this. And this thing is that. And I was like, but God has called me. And I really, really struggled with it. I didn't know how to sift through. That was a, a real maturity thing for me, a real learning curve of actually coming through that experience and going, there are good and godly people who were directly affirming what God was saying. That word had been weighed and had been tested, but I didn't know how to take a negative word. It's the typical thing, right? We hear 10 positives and one negative. What do we remember? The one negative. So Peter listens, and he really listens, and he hears the heart of what's saying. And then, this is what I love, Peter opens his mouth, and he says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. He reflects on what he hears, first of all, in the light of God's character. So when he hears this challenge, now I'm talking obviously a lot about kind of character and learning and growth for us, but this is Peter being challenged beyond his comfort, beyond his convictions. He has lived his whole life up to this point as a, as a kosher observing Jew. And not just in terms of food, in terms of total separation from anything that would make him unclean. And God is starting to unpick this. But here's the part where God just wants to tear it open in order that the, the church would just find new life and new birth in all of this. And as it's pulled apart, Peter doesn't reflect on his discomfort 
oh, I feel really awkward about this. He doesn't reflect on the situation in front of him. How God is doing something in Cornelius. His first reflection is, I understand that God shows no partiality. We have to understand what we do in the light of who God is. As we learn and as we grow, as people speak into our lives, we need to reflect on God's graciousness, God's desire for holiness, God's desire for us to to be Christ-like, to bear his image in the world, for us to reflect his glory. We have to reflect on those things. And then Peter goes on and starts to share all about Jesus. Then he reflects in light of what God has been doing. And actually for us, we reflect in light of the scriptures, right? That's the way that we tell ourselves the story most poignantly, most powerfully. God's living word as we read the words of Jesus himself oftentimes. And we reflect on what's been said in the light of that. So in this story, in this challenge, in this change, we see two sides of the gospel here. We see the sense of the gospel coming and there being a new relationship between God and humanity, a new people of God that's reformed. But we also see we also see the gospel affecting our relationships and bringing us to that place where we can change and grow each other. That actually seeking change, as this, these three sermons have been titled, is not just about personal growth, but it's about social transformation. It's about our relationships being transformed. And I think in that, I love the kind of last few verses where it's, Peter's still saying these things, and the Holy Spirit falls. They speak in tongues, and then he says, why not be baptized? When we go through the book of Acts, depending on which church tradition you'll be in, there'll be certain stories that you love to tell the most. So we have repentance, we have being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have baptism. And actually, in the book of Acts, they seem to happen in whichever order God wants them to happen in which isn't very convenient for us church leaders because often we're part of denominations that have defined themselves over defining which order those things happen in and when. Um, But actually, there's something in that. Not just the kind of wider message that God has his own order and we're obedient to him and the transformation that he's making, but actually that if we want change, if we want to grow as disciples, as believers if we want to grow to face the external change that we face, it won't just come in linear form in a series of graduations. Change comes in the mess of relationships, in the mess of us speaking to each other. So every other week we finished and I've said, let's pray and let's invite the Spirit to speak. And actually, as we sing our final song, it's a slightly different challenge today. The challenge today is out of our love for God and worship of him out of our love for the church, Jesus' body who are we going to speak to? who are we going to seek to challenge us? how are we going to grow? that might even be a little bit more of an uncomfortable one that might be something where as we leave this place we have to send a text to someone and say can we meet up for a coffee? and actually having that conversation of Let me be present here. Let me be open about where I am. Let me tell you 
what, how I want to change and why I want to change. And then let me hear what you would say. Let me frame it in the light of, of God's character. Let me frame it in the light of God's story. But let me take that challenge and that change that is given as a gift from God through you to me. Amen? Should we sing a song? Let's stand now and pray. Father God, bless every person in this room. I thank you for the gifts and character that they have and how it reflects something of your goodness. But God, we all want to be led from glory to glory, from grace to grace. We want to continually be being filled by your spirit to continually be being transformed from the inside out as you work within us to build your kingdom inside and outside. So God, I just ask that for all of us in this room, we would find and know the people who could really speak into our lives, the people who are gifts from you. May we find the Corneliuses that we are awkward with. May we find the Peters who would speak uh, leadership and God's word into our hearts. God, as we think about that and as we land today, would you just bring to mind and bring to heart who those people are? In Jesus' name, amen.